New season. New song opener. Man, that's right. It's Swipe Right Sports, your sports fight hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock, episode 55. And it's a big one. It's the first full weekend for Saturday and Sunday with full slates of college and pro football where I will be doing nothing but probably watching 8 to 10 hours of football on both days and loving every minute of it. Uh, But first here, what we do is I go game-by-game preview of the DK slate uh, for college football on Saturday afternoon. And then we're going to jump over with my celebrity guest, the doctor, for some NFL picks. And this year, a little different. Um, We're including kind of, you know, prop bets, over-unders, teasers within the picks, just because now that we all have kind of access to a lot of these uh, online sports books, I figured we can actually present these in in a way where people can actually bet these. So um, we're going to start right in first, CFB DFS, game-by-game preview, DK Day Slate. Let's get to it now. All right, welcome in one and all. Um, let's jump right in. It's a 12-game board. First game, Florida at USF. Florida is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under of 59. The first note I have is USF is not good. Um, so with Florida here, a new story with uh, quarterbacks Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. I think you'll see both playing. Um, and this is they're just more of kind of um, dual-threat quarterbacks, unlike Kyle Trask was last year. So... I think their offense is shifting much back to a run-first um, type of style. And I think for that, you're going to see a lot of value, I think, with running backs on Florida as well. Um, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis are the lead backs. I think they're going to have really nice uh, prices this week, nice little uh, floor and ceiling combinations there as well. So I would definitely uh, take take a look and consider them at running back if you're kind of paying down there. The one guy I really want to talk about too – Kind of my my 3K play specials here is the uh, third back right now, Demarcus Bowman. He got four carries for 20 yards in their blowout win in their opener. And I I think this just has a type of script here where they're going to be up big on these guys. I think there's a chance that Bowman could see, you know, maybe two, three series to himself in the second half when they're trying to just grind down clock. At 3K, um, you know, he's kind of that dart throw profile. And he's also very – this is a five-star – five-star transfer from Clemson. So, you know, he's always talked about as being very explosive. Um, I've read about him in articles and about him in practice and stuff like that, and people are always talking this guy up. So um, I think this is a spot where if he had a chance to pile up some carries, it could be in the second half of this game, and um, he's the type of home run hitter where he can make your day in one play. So if you want to get cute with those 3K plays like I do, I think you should definitely consider him um, as a candidate, wide receivers right now for Florida, it's just a wait and see. Um, I, you know, sophomore Jamarcus Wesson had three from 44 last week, and he was being targeted early on. But um, I think with again with the QBs, they're much more of a dual threat, a run heavy offense now. And I don't, I don't know exactly what to do with Florida receivers yet. So I'm just going to kind of stay away for now. Um, that's it for Florida. On the other side with USF. Uh, we're just out. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle to score a touchdown. So I'm kind of just staying away from them altogether, and I'll let someone else uh, take a chance there. So let's just move on to Toledo at Notre Dame. 
Notre Dame minus 16 and a half, over under of 55. Other than running back Bryant Kobach, uh, mostly out on Toledo, projected around 20 points. Um, tough matchup here, unproven QB on the road. I just don't really have any interest in uh, Toledo offense here. On the other side with Notre Dame, uh, pretty pretty straightforward. You know, Jack Cohn is the new quarterback. He's at 8,900. I'm not so sure I want to invest that kind of money here. I, I I think Toledo will be a little bit tougher than um, Florida State was actually on their offense. I just I don't know if I want to spend that much on Cohn here. Kyron Williams, however, the running back, he'll be everywhere for me on this slate. Um, I love him. I, I just love the feature role he has. Uh, Tyree, backup Chris Tyree, will definitely have value as well week to week. He is going to get um, his share of series, but I think Kyron Williams is the back that's mostly revolved in the, in the pass game, and he's just on the field a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I like him here in, in this spot against Toledo. I think he's primed to have a big day. Uh, receivers for Notre Dame, Kevin Austin Jr. kind of has the early lead as maybe the top wideout. But really, the de facto wide receiver one is uh, that beast tight end Michael Mayer we all saw against Florida State in that debut. He dominated. He looked to be Cone's go-to guy for sure on every you know, third down. He was looking his way. He even could have had a, even like a bigger night. He had a couple drops in there. So um, he looks great. I think he's the guy you definitely want in the passing game for Notre Dame week to week. The other guys, it might take a little more time to sort out. But right now, it looks like maybe Kevin Austin Jr. Um, at a decent price has the lead there. So... That's it for Notre Dame. Let's get out to the next game. Game number three, Cal at TCU. TCU is minus 11, over under 48. Cal, on the Cal side, fairly priced here. Only guys worth playing are probably running back Damian Moore at 5,700 and wide receiver Nico Remigio at 5,200. But still, we got a low-scoring um, affair here, tough matchup. Uh, probably better off investing that kind of money elsewhere on the boards, but those are kind of the notable guys I might consider um, for Cal. On the TCU side, I love Max Duggan at QB. I've talked about him in the past. Uh, he offers rushing stats upside, so that's really good when you have the quarterback position. I think he is actually worth at 8,800. Uh, running back Zach Evans, solid paydown option as well at running back at 4,600. Um, he was highly recruited, and I think he's right now I think he's going to be operate as more of the lead back. I think they're going to play a lot of different running backs, but I think he's going to kind of operate as the line share, let's say, of, of the duty in, in the backfield. On the receiver side, this is where it gets really interesting here for TCU. You um, didn't get to see much in their first game against, I think it was uh, UMass. It's not going to really tell you much. The Stars are going to play the half, but just based on the past, you know, wide receivers, Tay Barber is the most veteran of the crew, and he's that slot receiver. They give the ball to him on reverses a lot, give him the ball in space. Um, I think at 3,500, he can return a lot of value. I think he's, um, you know, good for probably three to four catches, given uh, a regular amount of four quarters of action that they'll probably have against Cal, unlike last week. And then the other one I think really interesting here, J.D. Spielman, he's a transfer from Nebraska. It wasn't that long ago that he was actually – one of the more productive receivers, if not the best, on Nebraska in his last season there. And I think um, last week in their opener, he caught two passes for a touchdown with the starters. So clearly he has a role with the starting unit. I don't know if I would say he's one or two or three or whatever. I think this whole unit is going to take a while to sort itself out. Um, and they were also all over the place last year as well. But I think he's definitely going to be have a role uh, 
be in the first team offense and have a role. Um, and at 3K, again, this is one of those plays where I think if you start your lineups with him and Demarcus Bowman, you know, you can kind of go anywhere you want um, in, 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 with the rest of your lineup. You know, you can get anyone in there and not really be that strap for cash. Um, so I love starting my lineup with one or two of those guys, and I, I may be doing that this week. Um, but yeah, in general, I think that wide receiver position is going to take a while to get established for TCU throughout the season. So let's move on to Oregon at Ohio State. Ohio State minus 14.5 over under 63.5. Talked about in my writing post uh, on fakepigskin.com last week, wide receiver Troy Franklin. Um, I, he was at 3K last week. They've caught on. I'm not sure if that was because people were catching on to him last week and he was highly owned, and so they had to adjust their algorithm. But he's all the way up to 4,700 now, so even if he does play a starter role, I think the value's kind of gone at this point. And also Anthony Brown really wasn't looking his way a whole lot last week. And he didn't play as much as I thought he would because apparently he was kind of going back to what I talked about in my strategy guide two weeks ago, talked about imperfect information, right? Um, apparently Saturday before in like a, a practice session, he got banged up. So it limited his participation in the game itself. Uh, so I saw him out there mostly in the second half, but I don't know if he even got a target from quarterback Anthony Brown. And I'm not so high on Anthony Brown as a downfield passer anyway. So We'll have to wait and see on Troy Franklin to see if he can actually return value at the higher price now. Um, so, yeah, and I, I just think in general here, like I said, Anthony Brown, I think he just kind of limits the upside of the entire offense in general. So where I think like guys like running back like C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, I think they're they're good players, but for this week I kind of looked at him and went, meh. Like that, this guy, it's kind of, that was the one rule I wrote. I just go, nah, I don't, I don't think so. Not the week for me. I think this is going to be a, a tough, tough sledding actually at Ohio State. So... Um, on that side, give me all the Buckeyes, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau, the star defensive end for Oregon, is, does not play or is limited. Uh, he had to leave the game against Fresno last week, and Fresno went on to pile up 373 total yards and 23 first downs. So I, I think, again, I, I feel like the line kind of tells you all you need to know, even though Oregon's number 11 in the country or whatever, uh, they're right away going, yeah, 14 and a half. So that, that's a pretty big number. And uh, it's been going up over, over the course of the week. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a tough spot for Oregon. And um, the one mistake I think they made with Ohio State is, based on that first game, Chris Olave had the better game than Garrett Wilson. And I think Wilson's price went down to like 5900 for this week. That's a mistake. Both of those guys should be probably north of 7K every single week. They both have the ability and the upside to go for 100 multiple touchdowns every single week in this offense. So and I think Chris Stroud, um, I like him here this week. I know he struggled in the first half, but he was really strong in the second half against Minnesota. And I think getting that one game of like live rounds under his belt now, I'm expecting he's just going to get more gelled with his receivers and just get sharper as, as a starter. So um, I think I think they're in line for a big day. I, I love the Ohio State offense this week. As far as the running backs go, Mayan Williams, Master Teague, and Tra freshman star, five-star, Travian Henderson, I think you're going to see them all, and it's going to make for probably a lot of headaches when it comes to DFS, but in that situation, I would say stay away, or I would just play the cheapest guy maybe because I think they're all going to get maybe the same type of touches, and I'll just pay for the lower price. And Travian Henderson at 4300 he is the guy I think I could eventually see taking this thing over anyway. He's the stud. They want to get the ball. He broke the big play for, uh, I think, maybe 60, 70 yards on a touchdown. 
uh, pass, uh, catch, I should say, um, in that game against Minnesota. So he's a home run hitter. He could probably, again, make make your day in one play. You always want guys like that. And uh, 4,300, I think he's worth considering there. And so that's about it for Ohio State. Let's move on to the next game. It is Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Pittsburgh's minus 3.5, over under 57. Pittsburgh is pretty established pecking order from last year. You have Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, 8,500. Jordan Addison is a clear wide receiver one. Um, he's priced accordingly. Kind of the two 2A options are Taysir Mack and Shockey Jock Lewis. Uh, Mack, I think, is really good value at 4,400. Um, he's proven to put up big days um, in the right spots. I think this is a pretty good spot against a nice matchup with Tennessee. And then the other guy I want to talk about was tight end Lucas Kroll. Um, big transfer from Florida, six foot six, two sixty. Last week's game, um, you know, it's opener against I can't forget the team off the top of my head, but really bad team anyway. Um, it was over in basically halftime, but in the first half, Lucas Kroll again that tight end, five catches, fifty eight yards, and a touchdown, all with the starters. He's at thirty seven hundred this week. And I think he's a guy, he looks to clearly have a role in the offense. I think Kenny Pickett's looking for someone like that, you know, big target in the red zone to go to. And, um, yeah, I think I think he's going to be involved. I think he has a pretty solid floor at 3,700, uh, worth considering at the, at the wide receiver. Well, he's a tight end, but they say wide receiver on DK, obviously. Um, so, yeah, and then the running backs, it's um, Vincent and A.J. Davis, the Davis boys. And uh, kind of the lead is probably slightly – Vincent Davis, he's at 5,900, priced appropriately. AJ Davis will probably have, um, you know, some series as well. This is kind of like Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree type of um, combination with Vincent being the line share guy. Um, but yeah, I think I think Vincent's worth considering it at, with Tennessee, um, who's kind of, you know, again new coach, bit of a rebuild. And on that side, outside of running backs, Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, I'm kind of staying away. Joe Milton is the starting quarterback. He's a Michigan transfer. And me being a Big Ten country, I just kind of have a bias for him. I, I watched him play so much last year, and he was just not good as a downfield passer. And I just don't have a lot of confidence um, just kind of investing right now with, into him as a, as a passing offense here. And so I'm kind of just waiting and seeing with Tennessee's passing offense, and I'm kind of stay away. I, mean, I think maybe with new coaching under Josh Heupel. Maybe he can get more out of him, but he looked really uncomfortable passing the ball. Like, just just, just drawbacks. I mean, I think sometimes it, if it wasn't just a design throw, he could improvise with his feet and then maybe find someone downfield. But if it's just straight dropback pocket, he looked very, very uncomfortable and um, eventually um, got benched in favor of now starter Kate McNamara. So, yeah, um, I'm staying away. You, you have my opinion on Joe Milton. So let's move on to Texas A&M at Colorado. A&M is minus 17, over under a 50 and a half. So first real test for redshirt freshman quarterback Haynes King. Um, he's supposedly a dual threat guy. So you have some rushing stats upside there. Um, O-line and skill position wise, they return a lot of starters. And uh, so I think he's kind of has good, good insulation, good support there. Um, where they can kind of just like let him come along slowly, rely on guys like Isaiah Spiller, running back, and the top receiver, Anaya Smith, who's kind of wide receiver slash running back. I'm sure he'll get some carries here and there. And they're both fairly priced. They're up there at like 67 and 7,300 apiece, somewhere around there. 
both. But I, I love them both as, as plays this week, of course. No reason not to play them. So fire away there. Uh, from the receivers and tight ends side, you have Caleb Chapman at 5,500 and Jalen Wattemeyer at 5K. I think both offer solid floors and have legit upside there as well. Um, and then Chase Allen's another guy uh, worth considering there. He's a decent price. Other guy I want to talk about too is just going back to last season, highly recruited receiver Demond Amas. Still hasn't really gotten on the field much. Not sure what to really make of it. He's a five-star guy. I, mean, I, know, I know that fan base is super excited about him. Um, he's at like 3,300, I think. So I, I'm not I'm not saying I would play him yet, but I, I'm kind of just curious to see like where where is he in this, his development? Is he planning to be a part of the offense this year? So I don't know. It's just something to something to monitor as we as we uh, go through the season. So let's go to the other side in Colorado. Basically, we're basically mostly out here on the Buffaloes this week. Um, AM returns nine starters on their defense that ranks second against the run in the nation. And uh, it's just a really high-level unit. And and um, I, I just don't know with Colorado. There's just too many unknowns. Um, and then an unproven freshman QB, Brandon Lewis. I just don't know where to go with them yet. Um, so I don't really... I don't really care to invest my money into that offense on a slate like this. So let's just move on to Ball State at Penn State. Penn State minus 22.5, over under 57. We are out on the Ball State Cardinals. Projected to score 17 points. Again, Penn State's defense showed out last week against Wisconsin. Looked to be a really strong unit. Um, I don't really want care to be involved with Ball State. So let's just talk about Penn State a little bit. Uh, fairly priced out here, Penn State's uh, main players. It's QB Sean Clifford at 8,100. Uh, number one receiver Jahan Dotson at 7K, I think, are, are fairly priced. Those are the guys you want to target in the offense this week. I think there's really good value with wide receiver Parker Washington at 4K. He's the probably the second um, leading receiver on the team. And he showed upside from games last year where he would have, you know, seven, eight catch games um, here and there. And so I think he's someone that Clifford definitely has – uh, some chemistry with and will look his way when Dotson is being uh, covered, double covered, and just getting a lot of attention from the other team. Running backs, just don't trust the situation yet. Need to see rotation more, um, especially when Baylor transfer John Lovett is in the lineup. I think he sat out last week's game against Wisconsin, so I want to see what it looks like when he's back in there. Noah Kane, I think, is probably going to end up being the, the number one option, but I just want to see it more. That game against Wisconsin was just so low scoring. Hard to really take away too much from that. So um, I'm staying away from Penn State running backs this week. If I did play one, it would probably be Noah Kane. But I just don't know if I want to pay that price with other options, I think, that are more clear and have just better situations on the board this week. So let's move on to Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State's minus four, over under 46. I kind of almost like this game more. It's just kind of like a a fan of college football in general just watching this game i don't really know if i want to be involved in it for fantasy purposes with that low total so sat said probably the only guy i would consider on the iowa side would be running back taylor goodson uh, i just know he has the guaranteed volume where he can um he can come away with a good day even in a low scoring affair uh with the receivers you know quarterback spencer petrus is, is just still kind of working himself into that role and with this this group of receivers and it's just still being established, and it's such a low-scoring game and a tough matchup. I just don't want any part of that uh, group there. So on the Iowa State side of the ball, uh, Brees Hall, again, 
I just know, just like Goodson, he has the guaranteed volume. So even in a low-scoring affair, I know that he can come away with a strong day fantasy-wise. So I would definitely play him either way. I, I think he's matchup-proof. I think he'll be fine. Um, the other guys in the Iowa State offense is fairly established pecking order from last year. Wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson has been definitely one target for Brock Purdy. And then tight end Charlie Kohler is um, you know, also the, the top target for Purdy as well in this passing offense. Um, so I think they could have some value, but I, again, I think there might just be better, better games, better with better Vegas projections to look if we're going to spend that type of money. So let's move on to UAB at Georgia. Georgia minus twenty-four and a half over under forty-six. That makes for about a thirty-five to eleven-ish uh, Vegas projection. Safe to say we are out on the Blazers this week. Uh, let someone else uh, try to crack that code and spend that money. I'm not doing it. So on the Georgia side, I got to see another week of JT Daniels in the wide receivers to feel comfortable enough to pay up for guys like Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson. It's just hard to take much away from that game with Clemson. And, um, yeah, I, I just I want to see one more game of normal level of offense where they should probably get more of it this week even in a you know easier matchup. But still um, – don't feel comfortable paying the prices for Daniels or any receivers yet. I'm not even sure I actually trust the running back rotation enough to pay for Zamir White at 7,700, even though I, I think he's very talented. I think this is a great matchup. I don't know if I trust the rotation. Uh, guys like James Cook, I, I, you know, I saw him going in goal line situations all the time last year and, and last week against Clemson. Like, I, I don't know if I want to pay that price, even though – this is the matchup to do it, and he could come away with a great day. I have no doubt. Is it that's me or White, that being said? Uh, but, again, just just a little hesitancy. So just something to think about. I think he could be fine, but something to think about if you're paying that type of price. So let's move on to Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State minus 13 over under 51.5. That makes her kind of a 32-19-ish type Vegas projection. Um Tulsa, not sure what to say about them. They lost to UC Davis as 22-point favorites in their opener. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say about that. But um, I think there's, I guess I think there's decent values with receivers. Uh, Kylan Stokes at 4,900. He's definitely the number one receiver on the team. It's been established that way for a couple of years. The number two also for a couple of years has been Sam Crawford Jr. at 3,400. Um Again, I it, I think the price makes them somewhat attractive, but possibly out altogether here just because you got this unproven QB on the road and Davis Brin, who I you know did not have good numbers. I'm not going to pretend like I watched their game against UC Davis, but I just looked at the box score. Uh, he wasn't lighting the world on fire, and so I just don't know. Again, in a game against you know a tougher defense uh, in Oklahoma State, I just I don't know what to do here. Uh, running back to near Prince has a solid role, but again, um, for his price, maybe better running back options elsewhere in a tougher matchup here with Oklahoma State, who's much better defensively um, than they have been in, in, in past years. So on that side with Oklahoma State, it's all about quarterback Spencer Sanders' status. Uh, it's still uncertain as of now. If he is not good to go, it'll be Shane Ealingworth at quarterback. For the Cowboys, who he's he's okay. Um, 
he definitely liked wide receiver Tay Martin last week, who, who had a really nice game. And he's probably the only position player I trust right now coming away from that opener against. I think it might have been an SCS team, but they didn't. They did not look very good offensively running the ball. Um, Tay Martin was kind of the lone bright spot. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with um, the running back situation. LD Brown's supposed to be the lead back, but he didn't have a very good game. Uh, they played about three backs in that game, so it's kind of hard to justify his price. I think he's around 6100 so I don't know that I want to invest that type of money with better options, I feel, on the other board. So, yeah, kind of Tay Martin or bust here in this game, especially if um, Spencer Sanders does not play. So um, let's move on to more intriguing game, South Carolina at East Carolina. South Carolina minus two over under 56. Just four hours across state lines these two are. Uh, the big question for the Gamecocks is status of QB, Luke Doty, and stud running back Kevin Harris. Uh, both are expected to be available, but they haven't announced who will be starting at QB and also aren't really talking about whether or not Kevin Harris will return to just kind of a starter workload. Um, and that said, Zaquanri White was the backup who went off in their opener with a really big day. So I'm kind of right now expecting him to still be involved. So I think he could have um, some decent value at 4,900. So nice price there. And that makes also Kevin Harris, right, kind of difficult to spend 7,500 on a guy who, who you know, may, may be kind of in a 50-50 timeshares. They're kind of working him back in the rotation because remember, he was out with an illness last week, but he's still coming off off-season back surgery. So I don't know exactly what his, you know, how much has he been able to kind of train and practice in their um, off-season. So tough situation to pay that high of a price for. So even though I think he's a really good player and could do well in a matchup here, too much uncertainty for me. Um, tight end Nick Muse. I think he's usually good for about three or four catches at 4,100 for South Carolina. Um, yeah, he's someone to maybe throw out there. Could be nice value. No really other established wide receivers or really anything in the passing game to speak of now that uh, Shai Smith is gone, the stud receiver from last year. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see and let that stuff work itself out on the South Carolina side. On the East Carolina side, um, you know, we... South Carolina, this is a new coach with uh, Shane Beamer. And just kind of before we talk about East Carolina, we just had to kind of put it in perspective that this is a two-point line here. Um, so it's not like this is an SEC team that's coming in, you know, and going to crush this American Athletic team, Conference team. South Carolina is in a total rebuild mode. New coach, Shane Beamer, in his first year. Um, and they, they bring four starters back from what was already a really bad defense. So I think – there's going to be some nice value in this ECU offense that is priced, you know, fair, but but also not not super high like you know you know Ohio State's offense could be. But you might be able to get you know similar upside um, from guys like Holt Naylor's at QB at 7,100, um, decent pay down option there. He has some offers some rushing stats upside as well. Running backs Keaton Mitchell and Rajai Harris are probably 50-50 split at this point. Uh, Harris is at 5,500. Mitchell had a better day in their opener at 6,600. 
he's a freshman, and, and I think he probably um, maybe slightly leading the pack right now, but um, he's priced that way. But I still think he could have a really nice day. And then what I really like is the value at receiver with Tyler Snead at 6,500 and C.J. Johnson at 5,400. They've proven in the right spots to have huge upside games um, in the past with quarterback Holt Naylor. So we're talking like double-digit catch games, multiple touchdowns. Um, if you go back and look at some of their games in the past two years in the right spots, uh, they've had big, big days offensively. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of intrigue in the ECU offense this week in this matchup here and something to definitely consider, especially the receivers. So let's get out of there and go to the final game of the 12 games. It is the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers heading to Syracuse. Over uh, Rutgers is minus two, over under of 52. Now last week I talked about running back Zai Pacheco. I love his role in, at 5,200. But there is clearly a goal line vaulter issues with him, not with just one player, but two quarterback Johnny Langan and running back Kyle Mananagai. I hope that Mananagai. That sounds right. Um, so these were kind of short yardage specialists um, in the in their first game. It appeared against Temple, and they were using them a lot in goal line situations. I think they each had. I know Langan had two touchdowns, I think, and Monaguy had one or two. But anyway, obviously taking away from Pacheco's kind of upside there. So that was kind of frustrating. But um, yeah, he still has the lead back role and is going to get plenty of touches in what should be um, a pretty close game. And then wide receiver Bo Melton, I think he's one of the best price floor ceiling guys on the board at that position. Um, I think he's at like 5,200, I want to say, or maybe 5,700, but still, um, yeah, he's the clear leader in the passing game there. Big play guy, does it all for that offense. So, um, yeah, they'll probably hand him, give him the ball in reverse as well to do stuff like that. So he's basically one of their best offensive players, if not the best. So, yeah, definitely consider him on the Rutgers side. On Syracuse. Oh, and then one guy, too, he didn't record a catch for Rutgers. In the opener, but uh, Shameen Jones was a regular target, you know, maybe four or five catch guy with Noah Vedro played last year. So um, I, I think he's someone at 4K, he's a little bit under the radar, someone to consider as a value play as well. On the Syracuse side, I said I like Taj Harris as a really good, nice value play last week. Um, he's the clear, clear number one receiver for uh, this offense, and he's at 5,100. So I think, you know, he has a really nice floor, you know, probably good five, six catches from him. Um, and then running back Sean Tucker at 6,800. Only really considerations I'm making in the offense are those two guys for Syracuse. Uh, Rutgers returns eight starters from a drastically improved D. I know it's Rutgers, but they really have, even the Greg Channel's first year, they're really improved. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's just a tough spot. I don't really trust Tommy DeVito anyway at quarterback for Syracuse. And it wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader uh, take that job over if DeVito continues to struggle. Uh, Dino Babers, I think, is like his sixth year as head coach. And got to imagine um, if they start losing and DeVito isn't playing well, that he's just not going to let his fate be decided by DeVito alone. So, um, yeah. That's about it for Syracuse in that game, and that is it 
It's a slate. I did it. You did it. We did it. Uh, good luck to everyone playing out there this week. Um, thank you for listening. And hey, if you want to see some hot NFL bets for Sunday, uh, we got our five best bets in our one within those five, our one moral lock of the week coming up in the next NFL segment starting right now. We are back. The NFL is back. It is week one. It's the first full weekend of Saturday and Sunday action. And uh, as always, for the past two seasons, I've been joined by our celebrity guest, the doctor. <laughs> and um, uh, doctor, how are you? It's been, it's been a while. It has. We, we, I mean, obviously, we've uh, we've had many personal adventures together, but uh, we haven't really had this platform to go through some of our NFL discussions. How are you feeling? Well, Bob, it's good, good to be with you on the, on the pod again. Thanks for the, the invitation. I think normally when you ask me how I'm doing, I I, uh, I say, well, you know, I'm doing well. And overall, I am doing well. But had a tough day today. Um, went, and, uh, went and got a haircut. And uh, I'm sitting in the chair. And uh, there's this 24, 25-year-old guy there with just plush hair. The woman spins him around. He's all done with his cut. And he says to her, Ah, you know, my hair gets pretty thick. Could you go ahead and thin that down for me a little more? <laughs> I think I think it's the most upset I've been at a stranger in my entire life, and it's just it's it's shaking me a bit. Those that don't know, I I have some issues up top. It was a tough it was a tough moment, say Bob. Tough moment, but good for that kid. He's got a, got a great head of hair. Good for him. And what what is saying that 15 years? What does that even mean to say? Like, could you thin it out a little bit? Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like. Could you make it look worse? <laughs> could you make it look like I don't have as much hair or I don't have gray hair? Yeah, I don't know. But it was uh, it was it was a pretty funny moment. I, was, I think I sent you a text immediately when it happened, but I thought I'd share that with our the listeners to get started today. Oh, it was it was uh, I, I enjoyed seeing that text and just to help you out a little bit. Um, you know, after saying uh, certain someone should retire a lot last year, um, he just threw his third touchdown pass of the night on Thursday night. <laughs> So yeah, prob- probably wasn't a pro- probably a bad comment by me. So anyway, wow. um, self awareness. You got something over the past few months. Good for you. Yeah. So um, we're we're changing things up. You know, I, two seasons ago we went through like every game on the board, which was fun, and it was just it's just kind of like a crazy way to do things. It took like probably over an hour some some weeks. So um, I we limited last year. We went to just all right. Get to the five. He's worth five favorite picks. We'll talk through those. And that was fun as well. And then this year, we're doing the same thing, but we're going to also include any prop bets over unders, teasers, because we can actually, uh, not just us, but all of us, we now have access to these platforms where we can see these bets and make these bets. Um, so if I say a, a prop bet for a player, you know, this is something that exists on most of these online sports books. So, and they, they, they exist everywhere. Um, they, for, those, all, for our listeners, for our listeners, I, I'd be a, you know, random night during the NBA season. And, and Bob is sending us uh, locks for point overs for players that I've, I've never heard of in the NBA. <laughs> Guys were taking nights off. It's like the 10th guy off the bench. And Bob's like, uh, yeah, that's a lock tonight. And I think you yeah. had a couple good weeks and then, and then it slowed down for you. 
No, I, yeah. So I, I got really into it during the pandemic. Uh, obviously not a lot to do and, um, not a lot to kind of like, you know, wager on or whatever, but I got into the NBA prop bets and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, if you follow along and you follow like, you know, guys who are sitting out for COVID protocols and all this stuff, all of a sudden, or generally, especially the NBA teams just straight out, you know, quote unquote, resting players to yeah. lose games. Um, you could you could find some edges there and, and yeah I, I overall i was uh, at least 10 games over uh 500 on those plays and uh but again they weren't published so i'm not going to go into those but still uh they're they're fun to do i think you can find edges in in those areas so we're going to expand like our picks to those bets as well on this platform and but we're also going to continue five bets against the spread whether it's on this podcast or just on my twitter feed we're still also going to do our five picks because um, I do play in a super contest where I have to submit five teams against the spread every week. And I'm going to continue to do that. But for, for this purpose, for this podcast right now, we're going to, I'm going to throw out props over unders, teasers, all that stuff that's allowed now this year. So without further ado, let's talk about the week one board. There is a full uh, 16 game slate of course, with no buys. We have uh, Tampa and Dallas playing tonight. And then there are, including them, there are nine home favorites, seven home dogs, two substantial favorites, which we consider to be seven points or greater in the uh, 49ers and the Rams. And really, I mean, we're, we're getting back. It's funny if whether you pay more attention to college or NFL. I mean, there 10 of these lines of 16 are four points or less. I mean, it's somewhat of a pick em league. It really is. And so, um, you know, it, it should be fun picking against the spread here this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the board. Where are you looking at your first pick in week one of 2021? All right. So, you know, this week, just to lay it out, I, I don't have any of the, the prop bets, so I'm going to go through my five games. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to jump in there throughout the year. I'm, I'm not as sophisticated as you with the, the prop bets and the over-unders for individual players, but I'm sure I can come up with a teaser or two. But all right. So first first game, uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Buffalo laying six and a half. Um so uh, Pittsburgh had the third-ranked defense last year. Uh, they pretty much have the same group coming back. Uh, when that group played Allen last year, they had they held him to 55% completion percentage and 5.5 yards per attempt. Buffalo did win that game 26-15, but one of the scores was a, a, a pick six. So uh, it was an ugly one for Baltimore. They, they or sorry, for, for Buffalo. They did not look good. Um, so I'm buying a healthy Big Ben early in the year. We got the addition of Najee, and uh, he's got a good receiving court. Chase, Juju, Deontay, and Bob, don't sleep on your boy, Eric Ebron. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of talk about the Steelers' line not being that great. Uh, I'm not buying it. I don't think the Bills' defense is the one to expose it. So I'm going Pitt, plus six and a half. Uh, one other point, last three seasons, Tomlin, 14 and three ATS as a dog. So Steelers it is. Yeah. I, I, uh, I looked at that game. I kind of, I felt like, you know, Buffalo obviously coming off last season is kind of like the darlings of the AFC East and, you know, potential Super Bowl contender Pittsburgh kind of maybe took a step back. And so I, I, but I feel like this is a game Pittsburgh will just go in and, and potentially even win. 
You know, they're just yeah. that type. They're that type of organization. I, I wouldn't wouldn't put it past them. Um, one one thing I would say is uh, they lost Bud Dupree. I think T.J. Watt just officially signed his contract and is going to play. But if he was held out and Bud Dupree was gone, I would think eh, it might be a little dicey. But no, I I I, I can take Pittsburgh um, with the points there. I, I I like that. So I'm going to start with my first pick here, and, and uh, we're going to start with the Panthers. Carolina, minus four. Uh, I'm a believer in Matt Rule, who they hired, and I think their owner also, Jeff Kemper, everything you read about him, he's a guy who is in it to win it. He's one of these uh, hedge fund guys, and I, I, I think that they're an organization in year two of Rule, who also brought on Joe Brady, was LSU's 2019 yeah. offensive coordinator, the guy who you know, organized that offense. I, I think now that they got their quarterback, Sam Darn, they're putting other chips in with him. They got CMC back last year without him. Pretty frisky team, very competitive. Um, I think now with all those pieces in place, also added to a very good receiving core. You guys understand? Well, I, you just kind of rolled out. You know, they have their quarterback in Sam Darnold. You just kind of threw that out there as yeah. if the audience should just accept that as as the quarterback. Like, what what has Sam Darnold done? Well, no, he hasn't done anything, but I, I think okay. that I think I, I think what I think is that I don't know that we can I think he's a very highly regarded pick coming out of college. He's very good. And for for a reason, I think, you know, again, we talk about these things all the time, whether it's the player, the situation, going to places like the Jets, it's like again, I we talk about this on podcasts all the time, last maybe year or two. Adam Gase, the head coach, this offensive coach, was famous for having offenses that suck and quarterbacks that he can't develop. I mean, he had Ryan Tannehill as a head coach in Miami who was terrible. Ryan Tannehill, now in Tennessee, is a top 10 quarterback in this league. So it's like, I don't know why he was ever regarded as anything. Um, he was he was terrible. So look, I think he was in a really bad situation. I think he's going into a very good situation now with a guy like CMC. And also, the receiving core is legit with um, Robbie Anderson, the guy. I can't. The guy out. To, uh, I, DJ Moore. DJ Moore. They added yeah. Terrace, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU to that in the draft. So, I, I mean, I think they have a lot going on that side of the okay. ball. And I think he's in a good position. So, and on the other side, Jets rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, uh, bad, just a bad team. It's it's revenge game. It's revenge game for Sam Darnold and. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like the Panthers minus four is my first pick. I like the twist. And look, I'm pulling for Darnold. He's a USC guy. I'm, I'm a fan. But like, you just kind of rolled it out there a little too casually that you know they got their quarterback, they got their guy. Like, it's just a little too casual there. Although, I think I think another part of that what I meant to that is that I think they were savvy in getting Darnold, who's currently on his rookie deal. So if they they got basically a year or two, if he isn't, you know, they don't. They don't like him. They're not paying a big price for him. So I, I thought it was a good move. Okay. I like it. All right. Would you Would you like your, your first I'll go, pick? I'll, second I'll go, pick now? I'll go number two. Uh, Cleveland at Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City laying five and a half. This This may be a, a very popular pick, but look, it, it's week one. Uh, you know, this is Kansas City team's probably the most comfortable group in the NFL. Um, so you're not betting against the machine. It's either you take KC or you stay away, and I'm I'm taking KC 100. Uh, percent 
Uh, Eli Browns are supposed to be improved defensively, but I mean, does does that even really matter when you're playing against a team like KC? Like, I don't think it's gonna t- it doesn't take them weeks to get going. They just go. Like, there's no there's no there's no issues with this group. They're just gonna pick up and go. Um, they added two O linemen um, to strengthen the offensive line: Orlando Brown from Baltimore and Joe Duty. I don't know if I'm blowing that name from New England, but I bring that up because those guys both come from from winning programs right or winning teams so they'll just slide right in that'll give strength the offensive line so there's no way that cleveland either keeps up offensively or slows down uh, kc like look overall i like cleveland i'm pulling for them to have sex success this year you're pulling that rest sex but not this game not sunday night (laughs) kc minus five and a half (laughs) wait are they are they are they besides having sex are they sunday night Oh, no, sorry. I was just kind of putting a little Herb Brooks spin on that. Oh, okay. Not this game, not tonight. They're not Sunday night. Sorry. I thought thought you might be smart enough to pick up on that, but I guess not. Uh, Okay. Okay. Well, I got thrown off very (laughs) heavy sex comment. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, All right. No, that's great. Um, Yeah. I I looked at that game. I I kind of, I know why the line the way it is. I, I, I understand your rationale. I don't know what way I would go completely I, I but i am a believer in cleveland like you said i think long term i am but you're right maybe not this week uh certainly the chiefs are the chiefs um let's hop to my uh teaser of the week and is this a three-teamer or a two-teamer this is a two-teamer Ooh. um and it involves our local team the lions and uh as you know i'm a big believer in the san francisco organization right now what kyle shanahan is doing obviously last year's lost year by injuries uh after coming off a super bowl appearance i believe besides tampa they're probably going to be the class of the nfc and um they're playing our lightouts the lions who are in straight rebuild mode and have um, a reportedly uh, known statue at quarterback in Jared Goff. <laughs> and there was a uh, report today, in, and before this, I even was, was fine with all this, um, that left Taylor, or left tackle Taylor Decker is potentially not going to play, which would put number seven overall pick, Penny Sewell, who they've been grooming for right tackle start the entire offseason and, and in camp and in prison potentially starting at left tackle and he's not <laughs> been doing good he's not even been doing good at right tackle all the reports are never very negative so um i don't think nick bosa is a great test for that first <laughs> contest so um yeah this was already even before that news i kind of thought yeah i i feel like the niners are primed for a big year and a perfect opener for them is the Lions. So they're minus eight on DraftKings right now. And I would take them down to two as the first leg of that part. The second leg also is kind of related to uh, the Lions. Oh, oh boy. CDS. Your boy. CDS. Now, I there are a lot of opinions on how this Ram season will go and how Jonathan Matthew Stafford, how his season will go now that he's in this quote unquote better situation with better coaching and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, I'm not going to give a big opinion on that right now. I don't know. But what I do know is fellow statue, Andrew Dalton, the red rifle against the Rams defense. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to go well. He shouldn't be starting. They should start Justin Fields immediately. It's the most ridiculous thing I think I've seen in a while that they're just kind of trotting out Dalton for the first two or three games like it matters. But, um, yeah, the Rams are minus 7.5. I'm taking it on a 1.5. You can get that at minus 120 on DraftKings right now. That is my Ooh. teaser of the week. The statue and, uh, teaser. It, 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 it is the statue teaser. It, I it like is that. A, you got to start branding these teasers. It's it, it, it definitely is a statue teaser. Um, it's going to be a tough sledding for Goff and Dalton. And um, yeah, so that, that that is the second pick of mine for this week. Gosh, I can't wait till Goff leads his team to, to the playoffs next year. I can't wait. This could be great. <laughs> are, 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 you hope, are you hoping that Stafford, are, are you thinking Stafford's going to not make the playoffs? Um, I don't know why he would give me a reason why he would. So, I, I don't think so. I, I, but I guess, like, if he does, I mean, that team has been in the playoffs how many of the last years? Um, the Rams, that is. Like, how many out of the last few years have they been in it? I have to go look. But, so, like, what is he really adding? He needs to go in there and win some playoff games for him to say that he's adding significant value to that to that group. Right. Sure. I mean, just just getting the playoffs and losing the first round doesn't really do much. They've been doing that without him. So, um, I, I guess that's my hedge on saying he might get the playoffs, but he's not going to do anything when he gets there. Sure, and, my, and I actually, I I agree. Um, I I was actually much higher on the prospects before Cam Akers got hurt, but when he got hurt, I thought eh, this isn't that. It's not as high as upside as I kind of thought it would be, and um, I I don't think i mean a lot of people think that you know it's a, clearly like an upgrade at quarterback for the rams like there's yeah. this whole narrative about oh it's it's just such a such a big improvement like i don't know there's a huge difference i think maybe there's a slightly better you know i i think there's a slight upgrade but i i just think they're probably in the same tier in a lot of ways they're they're closer than people think they are so uh, that being golf and, and staff but, somebody's um, won a playoff game and somebody hasn't. So yeah, someone's been to a Super Bowl. So yeah. somebody, so, somebody's throwing it for four thousand yards. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I know. So we, we, we both know where we've been. And also, I, I think people when they underrate, and we talked about this a little bit in, on this podcast, but I do really understand if they go back and look at Rams and the, and, and when they were highly, highly, highly uh, successful in just like this like pro, prolific offense. It was really Todd Gurley when he was an MVP right. candidate running back, and I th- they haven't had that. And then the quarterback all of a sudden isn't great now. So it's just like, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I'm a little bit suspect of the whole thing, but I think they'll be okay. I still think San Fran probably win that division anyway. Um, let's move on to your would it be your third pick? Third pick, uh, Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. The Giants are plus three. Uh, this is an interesting one to me. Yeah, I think both teams are coming off in a five and six win season, something like that. Both believe they have improved through free agency and getting some injuries back. Um, it's a lot, a lot of hype around both of these groups. Um, Denver is also using their undefeated preseason record as a as a reason to think that their fan base is that they're going to have a great year. If you remember correctly, the Lions went. 
Oh, oh, four and oh. <laughs> four and oh in the preseason before they went 0 and 16 in whatever year that was, 07 or 08, whatever year it was. Um, and they also think they have the savior with Teddy Bridgewater. I, I'm, not, I'm just not seeing any of that. Um, and I kind of looked back at last season's stats. The Broncos, they lost five of their last six. I think one of those was without a quarterback because of COVID. But still, it was just not a good look. At least the Giants last year for starting 0 and 5 had, uh, you know, won uh, five of the next eight. They were kind of trending up. And so they're going to have Barkley back. I just I think that there's more there for the Giants. But but overall, I just I don't see why Denver warrants a, being a favorite on the road right now. I think both these are in the very, in the very same place, and so I see a little value there in going with the Giants. I just don't think Denver warrants this line. So take the Giants plus three. That's fair. A lot, a lot of people um, hyping hyping Denver. I think I think they like their. I think everyone likes their offensive skill young, position players young receivers the receiving yeah I, I think they like their skill position players and I, I i understand that um i think people like that bradley chubb is back after coming off and injured on defense so i i i know kind of i understand the rationale why but yeah i agree like why all of a sudden are you guys like oh you're your favorite one on the road against anybody right. uh, with exactly <laughs> with, with, with a quarterback that i you know that Carolina said see you later to and, and New Orleans said see you later to and is kind of hanging on as a starter so yeah no I I, I like it and, and the Giants were at least you know they were kind of like Carolina since last year where they were frisky they were tough defensively so um no I I, I like I like the plus three there with you um we're gonna move on now to I'm gonna give you prop bets now Okay. And we're going to go to Indy, and I'm going to rifle off two. First one, and this is on DraftKings Sportsbook. You can go over Naheem Hines, two and a half receptions. Now, I will say the VIG is minus 170. It's a tough price to pay, but I will say, let me tell you, last season, in 12 of 16 games, he had three receptions or more he had 63 crutches overall in 2020 so this is a guy who catches tons of passes the coach has already been talking about getting him more touches this season if you read about it in the offseason so i think this is even though you gotta pay a price for it a win's a win right a profit's profit so over two and a half catches for naheem hines i think is a, such a common sense play the only thing that can hold this back is some like an in-game injury. So, <laughs> Bob, how do you filter these down, right? Because what you just said all makes sense. I love it. Uh, there are yeah. so many of these out there. You know, so yeah. many games, so many guys. Do you have like a filtering process, or do you just kind of scan and does something jump at you? Do you have any, any rationale behind it, or is it just like a find it and look at it and like it? Well, I would say scan and like it. Cause I got, I got a, I got a couple more that I'm going to come at you right with them right now. So, um, the next one in the same game is Michael Pittman, four and a half receptions over. And, and he's at minus one Oh five. So just about even money on DraftKings. Listen, uh, he was the third highest, uh, third, third most productive receiver last year. That was with T Y Hill. T.Y. Hilton's on IR. He's 97 years old anyway. So all they got left is like Zach Pascal and Paris Campbell, who are also 
just they're, they're they're fairly unproven receivers. Michael Michael Pittman is poised to take over the top receiver on that team. They don't have a big tight end that takes in a bunch of production. So another Trojan. There you go. I like it. That's right. Michael Pitt, Michael Pittman Jr. in his second year, he's poised for a breakout. Four and a half receptions over. I, I don't think it's a big ass for him to get five. Someone's got to take over this production that T.Y. Hilton is leaving on the table. So, no, I, I, I think in, in even money, too, I, I love over four and a half receptions. And, and to kind of go back to what you're saying, how do I look at it? It's just that, that those reasons. I mean, I think it's kind of straightforward. There's no guarantee, but I just look at it and go, yeah. hey, look, look at the circumstances. Look at what the number is. Yeah, I, 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 I would I would take that bet. So over four and a half percent from Michael Pittman Jr. is my second prop at play in that game. And I have one more, but I'm gonna let you go to your fourth pick. We got some traffic going on back there, some motorcycles riding by. Yeah, you, you know, I I uh, I live Never in fails. Town. Never fails. The last two years has been the sirens. Now I think I think we're gonna get the motorcycles. Maybe that's well, it. Well, you're gonna both, but yeah, I I I could give you a lot of opinions on people who ride motorcycles, but I'm gonna not do it. Okay, so. okay. Let's not offend anybody about it. Um, all right, okay, okay. Might want to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, next one. This you're gonna think I'm lazy for this, but it's just hey, you're trying to make some money. Green Bay at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans plus four. Uh, this game is being played in Jacksonville, by the way, so so no real home uh, field advantage for New Orleans. Almost a disadvantage because I think they're in Dallas practicing. They have to go to Jacksonville for the game. But anyway, look, sim- very simple question here. Uh, who, who, do you, who do you trust? Crab legs or a fired up AR-12? Uh, it's, it's really that simple. Even if they make a move to Taysom Hill in game, you're still trusting AR-12 all day. Um, New Orleans has a very inexperienced wide receiver core, so they're not going to help out Crab or or uh, or Taysom at all. So this is a no-brainer. Green Bay uh, minus four. One one final little note here: since 2008, which is the same year that that um, AR12 became the starter, um, Green Bay is 10 and three straight up and nine and four against the spread in Week One. That also includes a five and two straight up and ATS road record in week one. So um, no brainer pack. We've been riding the pack a lot this year. I feel like so GB minus four. I don't, I don't think it's lazy. I think you go, I think you got to go where you want to go. You in the past have always made, you in the past have always made fun of me. TB 12, AR 12. That's what you always say. Well, yeah, I'm always going to make fun of, yeah, uh, you know, I'm always going to make fun of, yeah, um, but I mean, eventually, essentially, I mean, with these, whether it's college, whether it's pro, you kind of are, you have the factor, you do have the factor well, in quarterbacks, especially, <laughs> especially week one, right. Where there's still so many unknowns, especially coming off the COVID year. You just, there's just, there's a lot of, of unknowns here. I think you saw some of that in week one of college, uh, just to mention things happen. I mean, it always does week one, but even more so, you, you know, what do you really know about these teams in college? Very little and here, you know, you know a little more, but there's a lot of variability here, so you gotta go with what you know, which is, you know, which is why you see Big Ben, uh, Mahomes, and then AR12, and you'll see my fifth pick here in a second on the uh, on the docket. Well, yeah, when guys don't have when guys don't have live rounds in front of them, like Jameis is, he's had live <laughs> rounds, but he hasn't had live rounds with his team. Um, yeah, his live rounds were always great rounds, right? You, you know, so it's like it's, it's even though I think I think he, I think he's actually in a very good situation. I, I think he, I think he's gonna get much better. 
I think he could be very successful this year. It's just like when you don't have the when you don't see it, you just don't know. So yeah, no, I I, I get was it. Was that a contact? Was that a reference to his LASIK or contacts? When you don't see it? Uh, no, I no, 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 no. It was <laughs> it was not. It was not. But I don't think that really made a big difference. So. <laughs> but didn't he like mid season get contacts or something like that? Wasn't like wild thing Rick Vaughn type situation or was it off season? Like I can't remember. I think it might have been off season. It was but, off season. All right, it would have been better. But it was such a bizarre story. Cause it was like, <laughs> wait, you can't see downfield. Yeah, wild and Rick Vaughn. That's like, I think that's a pretty important part of what you're doing. So, yeah, no, uh, he he's an interesting character. Uh, he, he will be fun to watch, I think, this year. Um, all right, so so my we're going for my last pick. Then it's another it's another prop, and it's um, you know, we we were in a fantasy draft another night ago. And uh, one of our good friends, you know, sent a group message, you know, hey, how you guys think your team's going? What's the draft like? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we were all in the same draft. And I said, well, besides the fact that you're picking right before me and you've cherry picked three guys now in front of me, <laughs> um, uh, it's been fine. But otherwise, fuck you. And, um, wow. and, uh, and one of those guys was uh, Kyle Pitts. And his over/under for receptions is three and a half, and the over is minus one thirty-five, which I don't think is too big of a fig. I, I think that's fair, and I'm going over that. I think, um, by all indications, he's going to be all over the field. Any beat reports you read are going to say he's heavily involved. He's clearly, uh, you know, the number two guy behind Kelvin Ridley. And uh, one of the highest totals on the board as well in the NFL, it's around 50. So I think there's going to be a ton of offense in this game. And I think four catches in his debut is not a lot to ask in a guy like this. So, no, I I love this bet. Um, I know there's a little bit of a a vig on it at 135. Or actually, I think it's a – it actually went up today at 155. So I know there is a little bit of a, um, you know, higher juice on that. But – Listen, like I said, with Naheem Hines, a win's a win. Profit's profit. And, yeah, I think forecast for him is not to ask. I love that over, and that is my fifth bet of the book. Okay. And am I making this up? I just feel like Matt Ryan and tight ends go well together. I don't know if I'm making that up or not, but it just feels that way, at least in the past. Um, well, his best, obviously, was Tony Gonzalez by far. Right. Um, Hayden Hurst last season was okay. Uh I, I just think I, I mean by all accounts this guy isn't really a tight end you know he's he's yeah, just yeah. Sure. he's just gonna line up wherever he lines up and he's gonna do what he does so I, I, I think he's gonna be heavily involved obviously with the absence of Julio Jones now someone's gonna have to fill that gap so I think four catches for him on week one I love it okay good deal all right well I'll move into my my last one which is the Monday Nighter uh, Baltimore at Las Vegas, Las Vegas plus four and a half. Quick question for you. Do you have any idea why there's only one Monday night game? For week, one, week one, there's usually two or has been for like the last decade plus is that I can I, remember. I was very disappointed. Yeah, that's interesting. You had no idea? No, I, I, I saw it. I looked at it. I thought they took away the second game. And I was like, why would they do that? I, 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 I love the opening week two game slate. Loved it. Yeah, I thought I did too. But anyway, all right. So to the pick, uh, look, I... Just another hype machine here. 
so many people, including the host of this podcast, want the Raiders and Gruden <laughs> and Derek Carr to be to be great. Um, and look, they had a cute first half of last season, and then and then went full collapse. Um, I, I just I, you haven't seen any consistency from this group. I think people are like, well, Derek Carr is getting better each year. I mean, he might be, but the the jumps are not significant enough to to take this team to to the next level. So I, I think last year they they beat. I know they beat the Chiefs. I think they beat the Saints. Other than that, they had like six garbage wins. Denver twice. Uh, I don't know. The Jets, Chargers. Throw a couple others in there. So to me, Carr is like a slightly better version of CDS. Like just beats up on the bad teams and just can't be anybody that's any good. And Baltimore is good. So I know they're a mess in the backfield right now with the recent Gus Edwards news that he's out. Oh, oh yeah. Um, crazy. But you know what? I, I don't think that really matters with Lamar. Um, I think he's going to have a day. Uh, you got Watkins with him now and Marquise Brown. I think they'll, they'll have a good day. And then uh, Carr will be under pressure for, for most of it. And so, um, you know, kind of proven good team against a – very average team that everybody wants to be good because they play in Las Vegas and they love John Gruden and that's pretty much it. So Baltimore minus four and a half. Yeah, I oh man, I I can't do it with you here. Hey, of um, course you can. You're for some reason you fall in that camp that you love the Raiders. No, I, I think I think I think two years ago I think I said they would be better than they should be and I, I think I was proven right. I think I took over. I, th- I think they got to six wins. I, and I think I took took over whatever five and a half. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I did right. my job. I did you my did. job. You, you did. They still I, but, stink. But I, I, they, well, they I, stink is a harsh word. Um, I look. I don't. I think this running back situation is a complete disaster. I think it's a totally legitimate concern. I think it completely limits their upside on their offense. Uh, having no legitimate like NFL running back at all in a, in a very run heavy team. This is all, this whole entire team is predicated on run and play action uh, to help Lamar because he can't, he's not a drop back passer. So I think their, I think their long-term success with this season is, is very in question. I, I'm not high on them. And um, well, you'll be proven wrong on, on that one. And, and yeah, I mean, they, they took Rashad Bateman in the first round. Um, are, are, when are, when are we going to say he's not playing, right? He's not ready right. To he's, play. he's for, I think he's October, right? He's on IR, so he's not, he won't be there until October. So yeah, w- when is the point after the next first rounder when they take a receiving pass catcher and we're going to say, uh, Lamar doesn't have any people to throw to? It's, it's like, no, Lamar just can't throw. I mean, okay. like just, I mean, I mean I'm, he's I'm, not I'm, the best. He's fine. He's fine. They're but fine. He, he, he just nobody. It's fine. It's just that that look when when with the thing with Baltimore, he is fine, he, and, he, and he very well might be fine against this team who is again, like you said, pretty mediocre. I agree. Um, but with Baltimore and with Lamar, when they play those good teams and they get in the playoffs, he can't perform as a passer and they just can't win so i i, well, I, I look i'm not going to get into that discussion right now because right, it's okay. i think and i think history would say you're probably right i'm talking about minus four and a half against On Monday night, against your against your raiders 
Um, <laughs> you're, you're a Raiders, and uh, that that that's what I'm going off of. I, I, the running back situation, I think, long term, fair. But what I read, they were already planning on having you know, Williams take a significant amount of snaps. Now it might have been a slightly different role, but I, I think he was kind of ready to go. So maybe he just takes on a, a bit more of the workload, and then that whatever third down back or the guy that's going to come in for 20 percent of the snaps. That might be a little clunky, but I think Williams is already kind of prepared to to take on a, a reasonable role in the offense. I, I guess I don't I don't know if he's taking a snap in the NFL. I think he's a he's a first year guy at Tennessee. But I, well, I, I didn't say he had. I said he was prepared. I, I, I said, I, yeah, that is what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Such an idiot. Um, no, I, all right. All right, is that is that that is your final pick, correct? That is that is the final pick. So just to recap here for you, Pitt plus six and a half, Kansas City minus five and a half, Giants plus three, GB minus four, and Baltimore minus four and a half. Okay, and I am um, the Panthers minus four, a two-team teaser, the statue, the the statue teaser, the Niners minus four. Uh, Rams minus one and a half in that teaser. It's minus 120. Naheem Hines over two and a half catches. Michael Pittman over four and a half catches. Kyle Pitts over three and a half catches. Those are my picks for this. I will post my uh, against the spread just team options on Twitter with the doctors uh, later this week. And uh, yeah, we did it. We did it. We, did. we got through We got through week one. Um, any other musings to... Uh, Talk coming, buddy. Talk coming. Talk, talk. Oh boy. Oh boy. What? You don't think he is? Uh, yeah. No. I. I. For everyone listening, you know, no one cares about Michigan State football, but um, I, we do. So um, we're, we're interested in Mel Tucker in the uh, the opening week where they. All I'll say is that they, it, when we've watched Michigan State the last three years, how many times have they actually gone out and? you know, dominated a conference opponent from start to finish. And they looked fast and they looked aggressive. Now, again, I don't know how Northwestern might just stink. Yeah. Yeah. But Michigan State looked like a different team that we've seen the last three, four, maybe even probably four years. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it was encouraging. We'll see how it goes. But talk coming. Talk coming. Um, (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) We'll we'll get back into that later. But, um, all right, good, good luck to you. Good luck to myself. And, um, hey. We're back. We're back. It's good to be back. Uh, NFL Week 1, and we'll, we'll see you next week, buddy. See ya. Editor's note. We were supposed to leave our mortar locks within those five, and I forgot to do that. So um, the doctor is handing out Green Bay minus four as his mortal lock of Week 1. I am going to go with Kyle Pitts uh, over three and a half receptions. I think that is going to be uh, easy work in his debut. But uh, we are back. It is week one in the NFL. Week two, college football, first full weekend. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at RealBobbyAdcock. Go to FakePigskin.com. We got um, kind of picked up by a, a new group, and they've overhauled the site. Really excited about this season and all the work and the contributions that are being made there for this upcoming football season. So be sure to check that out, and uh, we'll see you next time.